Hi, this is Dean Leacock, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Yep. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is J-Mac, not feeling so posh right now after watching FA Cup riff-raff last weekend, but with the Fulham finally returning this weekend, I have a sherry in my hand and I'm ready to go. That is so much better. Today we'll be chatting about the opening ceremony of the 2019 West Ham Games at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park this weekend. Can Claudio redeem himself or will Scott Parker be prepping to take charge, scheming away whilst doing what he does best, going around in continuous circles around the Hammers running track? Can the Whites burst the Hammers' insane amount of bubbles and reign victorious on their rented, taxpayer-supported home soil? Probably not. We don't really care. So what we are going to talk about are far more interesting topics today in the shambolic world of FFC. But first, thanks to Dean Leacock for opening the show. Tips is the future Rio Ferdinand as a teenager. Dean rose through the academy and went on to make nine appearances for the Whites. Sadly, despite a very impressive start to his Fulham career, he suffered a serious ligament injury in the warm-up at Old Trafford and wasn't able to regain his place when he had recovered. He went on to be promoted with Derby County and captained the Rams in the Premier League. Danny has a Q&A with Leacock in the next month or so, looking back at the defender's time at the club and what it was like to be an academy player in a Premier League setup. But for now, Dean Leacock, we salute you. Right, Morgan and Matt of the Boisclair variety are with me. Let's go! Fulham. Alright guys, here we are. Morgan and Mr. Beauclair, my old chums. Matt, how are you? And I believe you have some information for us both about the first topic. Hot off the press from the FST, I believe. Yep. Evening, chaps. I have in front of me the uh, the minutes from the meeting, the February meeting that the Fulham Supporters Trust had with the, the club um, in the past few days. And I think we're just going to go through a couple of the issues and, and see what talking points it, it unearths. Uh, the first thing that was discussed was the the ticketing issues and more specifically the, the Liverpool ticket situation where the trust highlighted concerns about the way that the ticketing arrangements for the final six home fixtures have been handled. They raised concerns about advertising the on-sale dates for these matches alongside the final cut-off date for memberships, uh, which gave the impression that touts and away fans were being encouraged to purchase tickets before season ticket holders had chance to buy more tickets. Alistair McIntosh responded that they had to set a cut-off date to purchase memberships and were keen to get as many Fulham supporters without a membership to buy one and not to encourage away supporters to do so, which clearly hasn't worked. Uh, the Trust also pointed out that had they wanted to target Fulham fans without a membership, then they, they know specifically who those fans are and they can just look them up by their purchase history. Um, Alison McIntosh then conceded that the club had taken an aggressive stance on membership sales to maximise an opportunity to increase membership, i.e. more coins in the pockets, I guess. So the first question I wanted to pose to you guys was, does that set your mind at rest about how the club have handled, for instance, the Liverpool match? Uh, as for me, I'm still quite pissed off about the thought that I'm going to be spending the afternoon uh, potentially sat next to a bunch of Liverpool supporters. So, Morgan, what do you reckon? Um, 
yeah, I mean, no, it doesn't put my mind at rest. I think it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shit show, really, when it sort of uh, all came to sort of pass that you know the tickets had sold out, and you know, majority of Fulham fans who were looking to buy extra ones didn't seem to have been able to. Uh, I was one of them. Um, I wanted to uh, had a couple of mates, obviously, that wanted to come along to that game, and it was around my sort of birthday, and I was um, I just went sort of sign on, and it just said sold out. I was like, well, the the messaging about tickets wasn't strong enough in the lead up. And when, you know, the first thing I knew about it was on the Monday morning and yeah, just sort of, and then 30 seconds later, they were sold out and they say, you know, sort of there were ones popping up on like via Gogo and whatever, seat wave and stuff like that, um, which may or may not actually be true. I think apparently um, uh, Nicola Woolworth in the sort of in the supportive relations was saying that some of those websites just advertise them without actually having them. But I think what we will see on the day, if Liverpool score, not when, if, there will be a lot of people jumping up that aren't in that section of the putt at the end. Um, and I think that yeah. is a massive failure by the club to sort of manage the ticketing. Yeah, completely agree with you. And I, I, before before I really slate the club, I mean, it's fantastic that they've got this, this relationship with the Fulham Supporters Trust because they don't have to do it. And um, they sit down on a regular basis and, and take questions like these. So um, I, I, I don't want to get on at the club too much, but it, it does underline how the club, are, the, this situation underlines how the club are looking to maximise revenue, which is fine. They run as a business, um, but I don't think that it should be to the detriment of the safety of our supporters and the fact that Fulham supporters are clearly missing out on uh, one of our biggest matches of the season. I mean, what do you reckon, J-Mac? I'm pretty much exactly in the same boat as you two, really. I think um, it's actually almost like the fears of what we were you know, the fears of uh, Wembley with the Aston Villa fans coming in and taking all our seats. But actually, it's actually happening. When I saw the, you know, on Twitter, the message from that guy, that idiot who just decided to announce to the Twitter sphere that, you know, any Liverpool fans come and get me, I've got Fulham tickets. I mean, it's just an absolute joke. And we need to absolutely secure the safety of our fans, but not just with the tickets. I mean, I actually think, you know, the, the the limited edition for a 140 year anniversary shirt, which is a really nice piece of kit, by the way. I actually got two of them. One for my mate who takes me to his game uh, to the games all the time. But he, the, the fact that they've been now resold by some of these fans or people, just you know, opportunists. For I just went onto the eBay site right now, and they are reselling that shirt for 156 pound plus post postage on ebay and it's maddening and i don't know if it's a sign of the times of how the press we are as fulham supporters and how we're just taking advantage of a really shitty season but i just yeah i think the whole there's a huge rot in all aspects when it comes to making money from the fans in some in some regard well, that, i mean you can't blame the club for the fans reselling the shirts i think that's just kind of people sort of taking yeah. a bit of a sort of opportunist view on it and just saying Oh well, you know, I've got this shirt. It's limited edition. It's sold out. Well, actually, I don't know if it's sold out even yet. And they're making a few quid. But I mean, I'm really surprised that it's selling for that much. I mean, it's yeah, it's a nice shirt and stuff. But I mean, would you pay 156 quid for a kit that's never going to be worn? I mean, it's basically a training shirt in halves. I'd really like to think that it wasn't Fulham supporters doing that. To be honest, mm, fair you enough. Know, there's, there's idiots in in all walks of life, but hopefully it's nothing to do with Fulham supporters. And if it is, then then shame on you. To be honest, taking advantage of fellow supporters. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next point, which is the transfer window. And there were some interesting points that that were brought up here. So Alistair McIntosh said many potential transfers uh, were were being looked at from the beginning of January, but then they they 
often can't be concluded until the end of the month due to the availability of replacements for the player who's who's going to be leaving the club. And Fulham bought in three players and no Premier League club bought in more than three players. So in, in that sense, we did OK. And the priority priority was obviously to strengthen the defence and the, the guidelines that had previously been established. Um, and by that, I, I took that to mean the over 28 year olds that that those guidelines were relaxed in order to allow us to bring in um, the players that we wanted. The players we signed, the, the club were quick to point out, have English league experience. And there were deals with clubs, uh, with players who in the end didn't want to sign. So I guess that was Gary Cahill. Uh, and yeah. one with with a player whose club pulled the plug because they couldn't <laughs> find a replacement, uh, presumably because their phone wasn't working. So... Um, the question I've got for you guys is, whilst it's good to know that the club were trying to bring in reinforcements, our league position probably hasn't helped the situation we're in, in terms of uh, failing on, on our transfer targets, has it? Well, my thought of what you just said was very much around the sort of fact that you said uh, McIntosh you know, was saying that so since the beginning of January, we had a, uh, X amount of targets. Um Player transfers are worked on through the whole season, regardless of regardless of uh, windows. And so to say that they'd only been looking at players from the beginning of January seems slightly either, you know, a lie or short-sighted. I'm not well, sure. I think, yeah. I think sorry, Morgan, I, I think what that means is that the dialogue with the, the players' clubs was opened at the start of January, but they can't be brought to conclusion until, until the end of January, which is kind of when the domino effect takes place of everybody moving. I think that's what yeah, that sure. meant. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just like, I mean... Uh, there was some. I can't remember. Like last year, or the year before, they were saying how within um, you know the walls of Mottsburg Park, they actually have a list of managers that they wanted. You know, as the years moved on, and they're as in the sense that they are planning for the future in such a way that they're looking years and years ahead. When sort of you know, in the case when Slav was there, and they thought, well, if he goes on to bigger and better things, you want to bring in this one, and then so and so and so and so. And you would think they would have had a fairly hefty list of players by this point going into January to then go, right, this one said no, uh, this one doesn't want to come and fight for it. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But how we ended up with three players who, okay, Ryan Babel started off quite well, has looked a little bit ropey in the last couple of games. And the other two, whose names even escape me at the moment, Nor- Norved, isn't it? And, yeah, um, Nordvite. And who's the other one? Markovic. Markovic, yeah. I mean... I don't know where on a list of potential targets they must have been. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Markovic play before. Uh, you know, apparently he did all right at Hull when he was there. But, I mean, bringing in a player like that who hasn't played a first-team game for you know a long time when we are in this situation, I mean, what? I just don't know really what they were thinking. And was it that desperate that they couldn't bring in one player who had played you know, a premiership game in the last year that's and i think they're probably sort of you know firefighting a little bit with this but it just it seems a little bit like they cocked up massively and they don't really know you know why i would say yeah i feel a bit sorry for the guns on this just because i feel they had they had absolutely every passion to try and fix the situation by making in, bra- in quotation marks, multiple signings in January. But what I think they actually showed was a bit more naivety in the sense that they didn't realise how 
dead the January window is becoming each year now. I mean, we were very lucky in the championship to get such a good deal with Mitrovic in the last minute. And of course, with the other signings we made in January as well with Target. But I think, you know, I just think as it as each year goes by, the more and more I think the January window will end or it'll just become a loan window or something because just no clubs want to sell now. I mean, if, if you can't get Gary Cahill, who's like... Who, if Gary Cahill's rejecting Juventus, and you know, I just don't know what you can say, really. I think uh, also last year we were in a better position being a championship club pushing for promotion than we are being a premiership club fighting relegation. I think clubs mm. are much more likely to loan out their promising youngsters to a team that are playing good football and winning to build up their confidence rather than say, well, rather than a player going, oh, I don't really want to go and spend five months at this club. Uh, as they're fighting, you know, fighting the drop, uh, fighting the drop, um, yeah. with fans getting on their back, and a team whose unity is clearly sort of all over the shop. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, in that situation, it was uh, damage already done uh, from the summer transfer window, and I think, you know, we just needed a little bit more, plus maybe even a little bit more luck in that window. Yeah. But, and I know, I know it's called the Fulham Focus podcast, but I just want to quickly say, I mean, you look at Arsenal's season, uh, January transfer window. They wanted us, they need a defender. They were crying out for a defender. And instead they got, um, they got Suarez, who's a midfielder that they just didn't need. You know, they already have Torreira and, you know, Ozil, unfortunately, in that, situ- in that position. So I just don't really, I, don't, I think January has been a bit of a failure for all clubs, really. And I just don't think it's going to get any better as the season's gone back. Just, just really quickly, just to touch upon um, and ask a question upon a point that Morgan made there about mm. us being in a better position this time last year than we are now. I wonder whether, if we didn't have Mitrovic, um, whether we'd be able to get him now like we, were, like we were able to this time last year, based on the position that we're in now. Because last season, you know, we were, we were fighting for a playoff spot and looking in a good position to come up. But now we're in um, a, a terrible position, you know, cut adrift at the bottom of the league. And I just wonder whether he would have joined. What do you reckon? Personally, I don't think he would have done. Um, I mean, obviously, if Slav was still in charge, then maybe there would have been that side of it. But if it was Ranieri in charge of uh, us where we are now, I doubt we would have even gone for him. Uh, I don't yeah. think the sort of uh, the conversation would have even happened. So I think at the time, Slav was able to offer him a highly confident team uh, and the opportunity to score a lot of goals and then, you know, get promoted. I mean, what can you offer him now? I mean, I'm sack full of money and, uh, you know, the chance to leave at the end of the season. That's pretty Which much is what exa- we're in. Exactly what we offered Gary Cahill by the sounds of it and he turned us down. Well, where did he go? Yeah. I don't think he did. He stayed. Oh, wow. Okay. No, he's he's having he's having a lovely old time. He's yeah. fine. <laughs> but I think um, you know, with um, in, in regards to what you guys are talking about with um, Mitrovic, I mean, we were incredibly, we still are, but we were incredibly lucky to get him. It was very, it was very yeah. unfulham the way we got him last minute on Snapchat. Apparently, we're all forgetting he was meant to go to Anderlecht, um, and that yeah. went that that didn't happen. Luckily, just because they backed out the last minute of some or some sort. So. We were very lucky to get him, and I doubt we're going to have the same luck with Markovic in the last minute, but we'll, we'll see. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, just to finish off the point about the um, the transfer window that was discussed at the meeting, the, the trust yeah. 
asked if the director of football, i.e. Tony Khan, will have any additional support on his footballing responsibilities, given the range of other support, other sporting activity he's involved in. That, um, that's a huge question. It is. It's a great mm. question. And fair play to him for asking it. And it is. And, and fair play to the club for, for answering it and to the Supporters Trust for asking it. Um, and McIntosh reiterated that Tony Khan is very committed to Fulham and that he is very knowledgeable in terms of football. And it's the case that he has a team support in him on scouting, player analysis and performance data. Um, as I say, fair play to them for us answering the question. Although, you know, you can't really expect them to say, you know, he's utter shit and we, we're going to have to do away with him. So um, it seemed like a very is. stock response to that question, though. I mean, that is a proper. Yeah, this is uh, this is the kid that pays my bills. You know, I'm not going to say anything to rock the boat. And, you know, he has to say that he's not going to say I don't know. He's a clueless tit that doesn't really have a clue. He's um, he's. That's our job. Yeah, that's our job. That's why we do this podcast because we are the clueless tits. Yeah. And we don't have a we don't have a network of scouts, uh, data analysts, and whatever they have um, looking out for us. But he's, I get that he's keen. He is very keen to be involved with this club because it's very fun being playing football manager for real life. And he, I, I, I don't know. I know that obviously Shard has a lot of business interests and I imagine Tony wants to sort of build up to sort of having the same kind of business acumen that his father does. And I think this is probably a good way of starting out, but he's, he needs to know where his limits are. And I think that he's got a certain level of arrogance that suggests that he probably doesn't or won't mm. accept that he does. And whilst I completely sort of applaud his commitment to sort of trying to sort of do this job, and he seems like a lovely guy from what I can gather, uh, not having ever met him, but I just, he either needs to sort of take a back step and go, okay, I may know a bit about football, but I am not uh, as knowledgeable as someone in my position needs to be at a club at this level. So I, I don't know if that point. will ever happen. I, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Morgan. Yeah, he what he's trying, but he's just not as knowledgeable as, as somebody in that position needs to be. And exactly, you know, I, I, I really want him to succeed. I, I, like you say, I think he, he comes across as a nice guy, and I really want him to succeed, whether he will or not. You know, time will tell. J Mac. Well, I mean, I think personally, Tony Khan's his head is and his heart are in the right. Actually, no, completely opposite. His heart is in the right place. His head isn't. There's no way in the next season he's going to be able to have his eye on AEW and this and you know and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's, it's too much. It's, and I hope that actually we do get someone like a Mike Rig in, just to n- not necessarily to take his place because I've got a feeling that Tony Khan, you know actually stands by what he said he'll die at this club and he wants to be involved but he needs to be involved in a just a little less he needs to actually just have someone next to him on the other side of the phone that can just give him guidance or actually give him certain instructions of how to bloody do this thing right because he hasn't done it right unfortunately and uh yeah. It's made, it's it's put, it's put a lot of it's put a lot of the Khan's reputation in a in a very very bad light with Fulham fans and the only way I think the Khan's reputation can be restored right now is by the next thing I think came up in the FS that T Matt was mentioning of the Riverside stand. Yeah, the Riverside stand. So um, Alistair McIntyre said planning this is taking up most of his time at the moment. We know a lead contractor has already been appointed and the club is currently in the tender phase for subcontracts. 
and hope to have those secured by the end of April. Um, yes. All tenders have been invited with a view to begin work at the end of May. And the reason that it won't start at, right after the end of the season is because the pitch has been committed for, for use for some events just towards uh, the, the end of the season. They've stated that the division the club is in is irrelevant to the timescales for work beginning, beginning. So this is happening. In terms of relocating supporters with a season ticket in the current Riverside stand, the club has taken note of how Bristol City managed a similar exercise during the construction of their new main stand. Riverside yeah. stand season ticket holders who renew will have first priority on seats in the new stand as previously requested by the supporters trust. Um, and all I wanted to add to that was I'm not sure if when it's built, I'd like a season ticket in the new stand to gain a new vantage point of the action or to stay where I am. So I can look at it because it's going to be a thing of beauty. What yeah, thoughts? I think I'd, mm. I think I'd like to stay sat where I am in H5, to be honest, or on the hammy end just to look at it because I think it would look really nice just, you know, silhouetted against the lovely light reflected onto the river thames but you know i just i think um, I, I think uh, I know, it's the uh, most full uh, response with, to a, with a my, question with, about you stand with my gnt in one hand <laughs> uh, and my clapper in the other um, i think personally that it's um i i would love to just actually stay where i am but actually see it in all its glory and actually look at it because it does look like like you say matt a thing of beauty well, I mean, I used to sit in the Riverside stand but, uh, when I had a season ticket with my stepdad back in sort of um, the Diff 1 early premiership days. And I loved it as a sort of as a vantage point. It was great. Um, obviously, the atmosphere has always been, you know, fairly sort of uh, muted in there. Uh, but from a place to watch football, it was great. And I, you know, I... I haven't got a season ticket now. I can't, just can't, can't afford it. Um, but, you know, when I take a tour of the stands around the ground, you know, so I certainly will be sort of checking it out as well. But, you know, I think, I think you're right. You know, to look at it would be nice. But, I mean, if you're having to look at the stand for the whole game, clearly we haven't improved <laughs> on the football we're playing at the moment. So yeah. hopefully, you know, by the time it's built, we'll be back playing proper football again. There are two sides of the coin here because you could say this completely restores faith in the Khans. Yes, that actually they're establishing Craven Cottage as a very, very, very long-term place uh, for Fulham FC. But on the other side of things, you could say it's just also them trying to make money in a very corporate way. But I mean, can you blame them? They're businessmen, for God's sake, you know? Hmm. No, I think any new stand or new ground that's built has to have... um, a financial backing to it. Um, You don't just build a ground just to house, you know, the same fans in because they'll come. They don't care what the ground's made out of. It looks like, I mean, we've seen grounds in the past and the most rough and ready grounds are sometimes the best. And our one does need a lot of work. I mean, you know, we've got two big stands at the end, which are essentially big temporary stands that will eventually need tearing down and rebuilding the riverside stand is definitely looking uh, a little bit weather-worn now and when al came in i remember they weren't any they not all the blocks had seats in it and you know sort of as soon as he came in they put seats in it which was lovely and then you know they're sort of from the outside from what they're going to be doing with the new stand it sounds like um you know they're going to be doing a lot of work on on the riverbank as well so i think there's a sort of a point for the local community, I think it's going to be a benefit. And so I think whilst it does show a commitment to the ground, I think it's also very necessary and it will bring in more revenue. It's going to cost a shed load to build though. And so, you know, we, I think we need to sort of say this ground, this stand needs to be built 
regardless of the division we're in and it does make financial sense um in the long run to do that yeah and i also think just finally from me that actually having I don't see it as a big problem having, you know, the work being done while we're in the championship. I think, you know, Craven College having three stands in the championship should feel quite quality, actually. And also, you know, having the stand ready for a Premier League return as soon as possible is a good thing to aim for, in my opinion. Well, all I was going to say was just once again, thanks thanks to the um, to the Supporters Trust for, for all the great work that they do. And it's fantastic that we even got to talk about those points. Um, so, yeah, top top work from from those guys for sure. I think one yeah. final point I'll add on that, if that's all right, is whilst I think it would be, uh, it needs to be built, um, the you know the building of the new Riverside stand won't change my belief that Tony Khan isn't the right choice for a director of football. It may give me uh, confidence that they're in it for the long run, but from the point of view of job titles, I think it doesn't really change that fact. So. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. I completely understand that. But absolutely, yeah. I think um, if it does go ahead, we will certainly remember the Khans for one amazing thing they did, and it would be that. All right. So, guys, next up debate, really quickly, before we go on to the quiz, it's just called Hindsight. Hindsight is a blunderful thing. And it's just a quick little imaginary what-if scenario. If we signed our loanies from last season, so if we signed Callas and we signed Piazon, et cetera, et cetera, with no other transfers, uh, do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, think it would have changed anything for us at all? Would we be? I mean, it could be as simple as just maybe one or two points more. I mean, does unity, unity and chemistry actually prove, like Cardiff are proving right now, that you know, hundred million isn't actually sometimes as useful as it should be? And I go to I you think, first, Mister Matt. Yeah, I, I think we'd be in a slightly worse position um, because I think we'd be in a similar position league-wise, potentially point-wise as well. But I think our supporters. Um, would be more angry, the fact that we hadn't brought the squad on from last season and just kind of stood still. So that's all I'm going to say on it. Yeah, fair enough. And you, Morgan? Uh, well, obviously we did try and bring uh, Maddie Target back, but we were hit. You know, Southampton wouldn't sell, which fair enough because Bertrand's been injured for them. He has been playing. Um, I don't, you know, at the time, as I didn't expect us to sign Callas uh, and, you know, Piazzan either because they hadn't been playing much. I mean, Callas was on the bench for most of the second half of the season. And mm. the same with Norwood. I mean, he was very much a bit player. Uh, obviously, he scored a couple of good goals um, and, you know, was useful when he was brought on. But in terms of the players that we needed to sign, I mean, you would have to have been sign- trying to sign players who were starting. And obviously, that was Mitro sure. Target. So the fact we didn't sign them wasn't shocking at the time. It's just, you know, as you say, in hindsight, it's one of those things where you mm. go, oh, well, you know, they were obviously friends with the squad and all they all sort of, uh, you know, bonded together really well. Would that have got us out of where we are now? But it is one of those things. You know, it, we can't say, oh, yeah, we should have definitely signed Callas because he's doing quite well at Bristol City and, you know, because he didn't really play for us. Yeah, and he's doing really well for Bristol City. I think this is now the fourth consecutive season where Callas has been in a promotion-pushing team in the top six uh, in, in the championship. It's quite outstanding. I'm, he, he's I'm fair play he's the Neil Warnock of championship defenders. Yeah, nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure they um, appreciate but... that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also... what, what's his name and anagram of? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone work it out well, before... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's work it out tweet, before we do the quiz, actually. Yeah, tweet us if you know the answer. 
Um, but I was going to say also, you know, Ollie Norwood's doing very well for Sheffield. But what, what I was going to say, just to counter what you were saying, Morgan, I agree, we should maybe we shouldn't have signed when we came up. But does that mean if Sheffield United get promoted this season and Bristol City get promoted this season, that they would forget their loans for, their, for Norwood and Callas too? Do you see my, the point I'm making? Norwood's permanent. I think he signed for oh, it. Was it permanent? Yeah. Oh, well, in this case, sorry. Well, there you go. All right, well, in which case, that's... that's and also, they probably but, got, um, they're going to have less... They're probably going to go into the Premier League with uh, less financial gunslinging that we sort of did. You know, we came out with everything and just threw the whole load of cash at everyone. And yeah. I don't think any other teams are going to do that, having seen what we just did. Yeah, we've set a very good lesson to be learned. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, that was a nice little bit of debating. Makes a change in talking about boring tactics and lineups or an inevitable result. We know what will happen. So now we will go on to the quiz after this. Fulham. And welcome back. And now it's time for the quiz. Now, if you're playing along at home, you can get a total of 30 points in uh, today's quiz. Or if you're one of my co-hosts, which you aren't, uh, you can get a total of 24 Points. All right, guys. So 24 points could be yours by the end of this. And the first round is the guessing game. Now, when I said you can get 24 points out of this, I actually may have lied to you. Now, this is a guess the figure round. And I'm just going to create this rule that if you actually get the exact figure, I'm going to give you 10 points because I'm very, very sure that you, I mean, the, the odds are so against you if you actually get the exact figure. Danny won't like this, but I don't care because it just makes it a bit spicy. All right, so question one, and this goes to each of you, I'll come to each of you. How many own goals have Fulham scored in the Premier League era? How many goals have Fulham scored in the Premier League era? And I'll go to you first, Mr. Morgan. So starting back in the Tagana days? Yes. Yes, okay. uh, I'm going to say 17. Okay. Cool. All right. And for you, Mr. Beclair. Okay, so this is our 14th season. We're good. We scored two against Burnley, didn't we? Um, no, it's only one. So, oh, yeah, you're right, actually, right. it was. Um, all right, I'm going to go for 28. You're going for 28. The answer is 38, so the point goes to Mr. Beclair for that. The answer was 38, yes, with the sixth, sixth most on goals after Everton, Villa, Arsenal, Liverpool and Sunderland. God. All right. Question two. How many shots have we had during the Premier League era? How many shots have we had during the Premier League era? Wow. Yeah, exactly. This is what, If you get this on the nose, then it's definitely worth 10 points because it's just insane. All right. And I'll go to you first with this, Mr. Beclair, because you won the last round. Oh, good grief. Um, yeah. I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, let's go for uh, 652. 652. And for you, Mr. Morgan? <laughs> I'm going to say, is this shots on target or just shots? Uh, this is shots. I'm going to say 3,250. You win this round, sir, with a point, because the amount of shots we've had in the Premier League era is 4,199 oh. shots. And, yeah, and oh. it's the 13th, the 13th most shots of any team during the Premier League era. <laughs> 4,199. Does it say how many of those were taken by Sherla? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't, unfortunately, because it uh, won't be the point. Um, all right, so question three. How many yellow cards? 
Yeah, exactly. How many yellow? Really? How many yellow cards have Fulham had during the Premier League era? Okay, so how many yellow cards have Fulham had during the Premier League era? And I'll go back to you with this, Morgan. Uh, Premier League. I'm gonna say one thousand two hundred. All right, and for you, Mr. McLean? I'm gonna go for one thousand five hundred and ninety. Bloody hell. Okay. The answer is 755 yellow cards. So, Morgan, you get the point there, I believe, sir, which is the 17th most yellow cards for any Premier League team. 17th place. That's, I thought we'd be. Actually, that makes much sense. Well, right. we did qualify for the Europa League because of our fair play record. So, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, question four. How many times have we hit the woodwork during the Premier League era? That's crossbar and post. And I'll go to you for Mr. McClare for this. Um, uh, 282. And for you, Mr. Morgan? Uh, 320. It's 107 times, so Mr. Buckler gets the point for that. We are the 10th most. We have the uh, the 10th most attempts of hitting the woodwork and the crossbar and the post of any Premier League team. All right, question five. We'll make this quicker. How many clean sheets have Fulham kept during the Premier League era? It's a very relevant question to nowadays. How many clean sheets have we kept there, Mr. Buckler? Uh 75. 75. And for you, Mr. Morgan? 55. Mr. Buckler gets a point there. It's 140 clean sheets we've kept during ah, the Premier League era. Okay. The 16th well, most. Okay, interesting. All right, and final answer. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. And final question for this round, question six. How many times have Fulham been offside, again, very relevant, during the Premier League era? And I'll go to you for this one, Morgan. Uh, uh, 1,200. 1,200, OK. And for you, Mr. Buckler? Um Wow, OK. Uh, let's go with 800. 800. Buckler gets the point. 785. 785 and 784 of them were Collins John that is and we are the 14th most the 14th most offsides during the Premier League era of any Premier League team excellent okay so Buclair you have four points through that and Morgan you have two points excellent now we are going on to the next round which is focus fortunes for those who don't know this show we've done a survey from 40 Fulham fans of who they think which players would be involved in certain Olympic activities. This is to celebrate the plastic bubble brewing bucket the Hammers now dwell in. It'll be like back and forth, and I have a, I have a triangle, so let's do this. Right, so question. I'm just going to get my triangle. Hold on. Right. Hold on. Got my triangle. Okay, round two. Focus fortunes. All right, so which player of this season's squad is most likely to take part in the Olympic shot put? And I'll go to you first, Mr. Morgan. Shop. Um, Mitro. Our survey says that's correct, mate. Excellent. <laughs> Mitro is there and he is in number one. He is in number one position of the top four. And I'll go to you next, Mr. McClare. Uh, Alfie Mawson. Uh, uh, Alfie Mawson is not on the survey, I'm afraid, sir. And I'll go back to you, Mr. Morgan. Uh, K Mac. K-Mac is third on the list. Our survey says that was correct. Excellent. And for you, Mr. Buckler. Uh, Anguissa? Uh-uh. 
No Anguisa on the list. I am so sorry, Mr. McLeod. You're catching up, Morgan. Okay, well, that ends the shot put round. So the ones you could have got for that, first was Mitro, and second was voted Kamara. You could yeah, which is what... None of you got Kamara, actually. He could definitely throw a good shot, but the man's beefy as hell. All right, punch. and for, a, <laughs> well, for some yoga, right. And for, for third is K-Mac, which you got. And fourth is Cyrus Christie, which I really am okay. surprised by. I wouldn't say that he could throw a shot. All right. Okay. Which player is most likely to take place in the Olympic rhythmic gymnastics? And it's the same two guesses. And I'll go to you first, Mr. Beclair. Which player is most likely to take part in the Olympic rhythmic gymnastics? I'm going to go for Maxime Le Marchand. Eh, eh. Le Marchand is not on the list. I'm sorry. And for you, Morgan. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's quite sort of gangly and stuff. So I'm going to go with Sergio Rico. Eh, eh. Unfortunately, yeah. he's not. Okay. Last guess for you. Mr. McLaren. I'm going to go for, based on the fact that he's quite young and Jim Nassel seem to be quite young, I'm going to go for Cess. Uh, uh, Cess is not on the list either. I'm sorry, guys. This is embarrassing. All right. And last <laughs> quick guess for you, Morgan. I've got to go with Vieto. Uh, uh. Vieto oh. is not on the list. Now, you could have had, in num- first place was Dennis Adoy, in second place was Joe Bryan, in third place was Tom Kenny, and in fourth place was Cabano, Neeskin's Cabano. Uh, so there you go. I bet all of them would be absolutely terrible at rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah, I mean, you can tell how far this quiz has got since the fact we found out we're doomed, really. It's quite funny. Anyway, um, so, okay, so now we'll do another one. Which player is most likely to play in the Olympic race walking? Which layer is most likely to play in the Olympic race walking? It should play be quite an easy one. Okay. Race walking, yeah. And for you, Mr. McClay, I'll let you go first. Uh, Rico. <laughs> uh, uh, Rico's not on the list. I'll go to well. you. It's going really well for me. Uh, really well. <laughs> uh, Sherla. Sherla is number one on the list. Very good, Morgan. Very, very good. And last guess for you, Mr. McClay. You're laughing oh, at my drive. No, no, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the idea of Sherla doing race walking. I've just got a, an image in my mind of him straight back every Saturday driving on through. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I'm struggling to think of any of our players now. I've, I've lost it. Let's go with uh, Maxine Lamarchon again. Yes, Maxime Lamarchon, excellent, mate. He was fourth place, fourth place on the survey. Our survey says fourth place. Excellent. And I believe this is the last question for Morgan on this one? Yeah. Yes, it is. Just thinking, race walking sounds like something one of those diversity questionnaires they just sent out in the uh, in your emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Uh, Walker. Um, I'll go Cyrus Christie again. He likes walking. Cyrus Christie is absolutely right. He is second on the list. So the list is followed. The survey says Christie is correct. Now, so the survey was first was Sherla, second was Christie, third was Tim Ream, and fourth was Maxime Lamarchon. Excellent. All right, question four, guys. And it's just two points for anyone who guesses the right one here. So you could each get two points. Which of these defenses would have won the 100-meter relay? Which of these defenses would have won the 100-meter relay? And I will give you the options right now. 
A is the Europa League final defence with Baird, Hughes, Breda, uh, Breda Hangeland and Koncheski. B is our current back line with Christy, Adoy, Lamarchian and Brian. C is the back four the last time we beat West Ham, which was Sasha Rifa, Philippe Senderos, Amor Bieta and Risa. Or D, the Tagana promotion back four of Finnan, Coleman, Melville and Brevet. And I will go to you first, Mr. McClare. Which one do you think it is? I'd say the Tagana one. The Tagana one. All right, you're going Tagana. And for you, Mr. Morgan? Oh, I was going to say the Tagana one as well. Um, Final answer? Uh, yeah, I just think they're the, the quickest out of the lot. Well, you're both incorrect. The survey oh. says that actually... Uh, uh, <laughs> the survey says that actually our current squad would be the fastest team in a relay. Which is, I don't know. I guess. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I definitely, I Maybe. kind of, I, I, I kind of didn't really even think about the players in it. I just thought when you said Cinderos, I was like, well, they're definitely not going to be him. Uh, yeah. Uh, never mind. Thing about yeah, the current squad is the thing about the current squad. They've been right. They'd be running in the wrong fucking direction, wouldn't they? <laughs> it didn't yeah. say which way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right, guys. So actually. After all that, the scores are Beauclair has five and Morgan has six. So we go into the last round very nicely with guess the player. All right. So you know the rules here. So I will give you facts about this player, 10 facts to be precise. And if you get facts one to two, you will get five points, three to four, four points, etc., etc. And I will start very slowly with the first point now. All right. So fact number one, this player is six foot tall. Fact number two, he has represented Germany at the under-18s, under-19s, and under-20 levels, but never the senior team. Mm. Back number three. He was a right-back. Maz. Oh, both of you. Excellent. Okay, all right. Mr. McClare, what is yours? Uh, Sasha Rita. Sasha Rita. Okay. Interesting. And what is yours, Mr. Uh, Moritz Fultz. Morgan? Moritz Fultz. Okay. I've frozen you both there, and I'm going to keep reading them out, and you get to see if you've made a very good choice or a very bad choice. The next fact is, he signed a one-year deal on a free transfer and was released on a free at the end of the season. (laughs) He made 28 appearances. Yeah, He is currently 33 years old. Previous clubs include Schalke, Mainz, and Stuttgart. All of his four goals for Fulham came in his first dozen games. This player was playing in the Champions League the season before Fulham signed him. This player started and scored in our championship debut in 2014 mm. against Ipswich. Take a bow, uh, Tim Hoogland. Exactly. Yeah. So, no points for you there, guys. So, actually, Morgan has won, but only a point in the whole hey. quiz. So that is six five to Morgan. Well done, mate. Well done. All right, mate. Congratulations, Morgan. And since we mentioned it earlier and you thought it was a very funny idea, the view of it, I'm going to give you Sherla's walking medal as a prize. Hey. There you go, mate. Absolutely. You enjoy that. All right, guys. After this, we're going to have one little more of a game, and then we will talk about West Ham very briefly. And welcome back. Now we're going to have a little quick game of the ultimate relegation squad. And yes, it sounds a little bit depressing, assuming we're not actually mathematically relegated yet. Why are we doing this? Well, we're just having a bit of fun and just seeing what we can make the best out of. So how it works is co-hosts pick the best starting 11 of this season's 11 versus the 13-14 relegation 11. And I will referee it. And it's a 4-2-3-1, a similar formation to the last time we were relegated. So... We can rub two turds together and try and make a ruby. 
or a pooby, if you like. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Right, so in the keepers, you will go one position at a time. I will start with the position, and then you give me your answers, uh, your positions each. Okay, so I will go with goalkeepers. David Stockdale, Martin Stecklenberg, Sergio Rico, Marcus Bettinelli. I'll go to you first, Mr. Baclet. Oh, I'm going to go with Bettinelli. Interesting. And for you, Mr. Morgan? Well, I was going to go with Stecklenburg, but he was a bit of a dick. Um, I think he's probably the most talented <laughs> of the... He was. Apparently, he was you know, He was just there for the money from someone when you worked at the club. Um, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I'm sure he doesn't. But I will go with uh, Mr. Rico. Mr. Rico. Okay. And as the referee for that, because he's one of our own, I'm going to go for bets for this one, just because it's not alone. That's why. That's my only reasoning behind that. Okay. Even though Rico is slightly better. All right. And for the left back, Mr. Morgan, you choose between John Alarisa, Kieran Richardson, or Joe Bryan. Uh, I'm going to go with Kieran Richardson. Nice. And for you, Mr. Buckler? Uh, I'm going to go with Risa. Risa. Okay. I'm going to go with Richardson, just because I liked his pace and I liked his style. So that's me. And by the way, there's no rhyme or reason why I'm the person who gets to judge all this. It's just what Danny Boy said I can do. So just, you know, I'm not actually, I don't make waves. All right. And the centre-backs now. So I would like you to pick a centre-back, please, Mr. Beclair, or two centre-backs, in fact, of Le Marchand, Odoi, Mawson, Reem, Hangeland, Amor Bieta, Heitinger, Dan Byrne, or Senderos. And just pick two. Well, Hangeland. And I would go for uh, Heitinger. Yeah, nice. And for you, Morgan? Uh, I was actually going to pick the same. They're fine. That's good, because that suits me as well. So the two H's, Hangeland, Heitinger and Kieran Richardson so far as part of the back four. And the final of the back four, the right back. So would you pick Cyrus Christie or Sasha Reetha, Mr. Morgan? I don't think there's really uh, any competition in that. It's got to be Sasha Reetha. Yeah. And for you, Mr. Buckler? Agreed. Excellent. All right. So now we go for the centre midfield with the two central midfielders. Tom Kearney, Callum Chambers, Sean Michael Serry, Kevin McDonald, Steve Sidwell, Scott Parker or Karagounis. Buckler, pick two of them. Oh, good grief. Um, right. I will go for... Um, I have to go with Serry because he's been playing well recently and you can tell yeah, he's sure. quality. And I'm also going to go with Tom Kearney just because I love him. Okay, nice one. And for you, Morgan? Uh, I'm going to go with Seri as well because I think we're actually are starting to see the player that we imagined he would be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to have him next to Steve Sidwell. Steve Sidwell. Because of all the goals okay. he banged in in that terrible season. And do you know what? I'm going to go for Steve Sidwell as well with Seri, just because I think he can give them that extra bit of muscle behind Seri's creativity. But don't worry, Tom Kearney comes up as an option as an attacking mid just coming up. Right, on the right wing, how would you have it, Mr. Beclair, out of Ashkin de Jagger, Kasami, Kamara, or Cabano? There's a lot of K's in there. De Jagger was quality to watch. Let's go with him. Yeah, definitely. And for you, mm. Morgan? Uh, yeah, no, I've got to go with him as well. I had him down. In my, in yeah, my notes. Totally. I missed Dejago, so Dejago is one for yeah. me too. Okay, excellent. And on the left, Morgan, who would you pick? Would you pick Kieran Richardson, Kaka Niklic, Damien Duff, Ryan Sessignon, or Ryan Babel? Um, it's a tough one. I mean, from, you know, promise, I'd go for Sess, but for, you know, experience, I've got to go with Damien Duff. Interesting. All right. And for you, Buckler? 
Um, if we're talking about how I remember them from from that season, I don't even remember Duff being in the team much that season, but he he must have been. Um, I'll shut up. I'm going with Cess. Yeah, and I'm going to go for Cess as well. Absolutely. I don't think Cess. Duff actually played that much in that last season, but I mean, obviously, in the years before, I'm sort of going on nostalgia more than I am on that. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Nice one. Okay. And right, attacking midfield time, Tom Kearney, Brian Ruiz or Lewis Holtby. On to you, Morgan. Uh, I've got to go with Holtby. I thought he was an absolute quality player. And I think uh, Felix coming in scared the living crap out of him. Uh, and so I don't think we really saw the best of him, but I really liked him. Where is he now? He's back at Hamburg. He's in uh, How is he? Bundesliga Drei, or whatever two is in Germany. And um, yeah, you see they're doing really well top of the league. Oh shit! Okay, nice. All right, and Zwei. for Zwei. you, Zwei. Zwei. No, <laughs> for you, for you, Mr. Claire. What was it? Kenny Holt being who? Brian Ruiz. Oh, Kenny. Yeah, and I'm gonna go for Kenny for that one as well. So Kenny did make the team in the end. And right for the striker, we've got some options here, but I think we're not what we're gonna go for. All right, and for you, Mr. Claire, would you choose Mitrovic, Berbatov, Tarapt? Darren Bent, Mitroglu, or Hugo Rodriguez? Um, I go to rap. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously Mitrovic. It was one of those moments where I just went. Like spell out my caveat. Anyway, and for you, and for you, um, Morgan. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with my co-host on this. Yeah. All right, so Mitro. All right, and the final one before I list it all out is the manager. Would you go for Martignol, Slav, Rene, McGath, Moulinstein, or Ranieri? Those are the amount of managers we had in these two seasons. Um, go on, Morgan. Can I have Kerbishley? Because he was a manager as well for a bit, wasn't he? We've he, was, he, was part of, he was part yeah. of the, he was part of the uh, Wilkins, Moulinstein, uh, Kerbishley threesome, wasn't he? You can have him if you want, yeah. No, I think I think I'll go for Slav. Let's let's bring him back. Let's see what happens. Shaking up, up to. So nice one. And for you, Bukla? Yeah. yeah, definitely Slav. Slav. All right, and me too. So for a Slav team out of the best of these two relegation teams, you've got Marcus Bettinelli in goal with Sasha Rita at right back, Hangland and Heitinga in as a centre back pairing. Kieran Richardson as left back, Sari and Sidwell in as centre midfielders, Dejaga on the right, Kenny as an attacking mid, Ryan Sessignon on the left. Mitro as a striker with, like I said, Slav as manager. Looks good to me. I we're think staying that's... up. With that we're team, staying up. Staying up. Where do you reckon that team would finish? I mean, 16th? 17th? <laughs> Maybe 16th? I'm not sure. But I think that would do quite well. But we said, we've said all this before, so who knows? You know what I mean? It's, it's all about chemistry, apparently. Very true. Anyway. Very true. All right. And uh, speaking of chemistry, let's see if we can actually try and get some chemistry going uh, this Saturday. Let's quickly talk about West right. Ham. Um, right. West Ham. Hmm. Uh, who's been to the Olympic Park before? Mr. Buckley, have you been? Yeah, I, I went to the uh, the last night of the Paralympics when a certain South African um, athlete won a gold medal shortly before disgracing himself. So I've been before. Mm. It's, a, it's a nice stadium, but I've not seen football there before. Okay, and what about you, Morgan? Uh, no, well, I've never been inside. I've been outside. Uh, I try not to go to that part of the world too often, though. So, no, not been there. Yeah. 
Oh, fair enough. Well, I mean, I've been there. I mean, everyone says that the atmosphere is really bad, but I completely disagree. I went to see the Rolling Stones of Liam Gallagher supporting a week before um, <laughs> the week before we went up at Wembley, and it was absolutely rocking. So I think it's I think that's really unfair. I got offered a ticket to that gig and turned it down. So oh man, it was so wicked. I was actually kind of I was worried about going now because I thought this is going to jinx Wembley. Um, but luckily it didn't. It was a very good week. Well, good fortnight actually. Um, anyway, we digress. West Ham. Mr. McClare, anything you would change? <laughs> anything I'd change? I mean, you know, I don't know. Matt O'Reilly, I don't know. No, no, I, no. I think we've got to be sensible. And um, I, I personally, I'd go five at the back and try and get the, the wingers um, bombing forward. Uh, sorry, the wingbacks bombing forward. Um, it, it's shit or bust now, really, isn't it? I think we've, we've got to go all out. Um, and try and win this game and if we don't then it's going to be extremely difficult um, but if we win then you know it could be I mean we've been saying this for months but it could be the springboard um, yeah. I really hope I really hope we do win um, and you know it'd be a fantastic Friday night out in East London if, if we could get if we could get the points and I, I don't know I, just, I can't see us going the whole season without winning away um, I, I really really hope we don't anyway yeah. And let's talk about the stakes really quickly about that. We want to talk about lineups and stuff. But Morgan, I mean, do you see this as make or break for Ranieri or do you think he's just going to be there for the, till the end of the season, regardless of what happens? I think he'll be there. I think, um, yeah. you know, it would. they did it, you know, one time already where we were looking like we're going to go, go down. They suddenly changed the managers around and it didn't yeah. work out that time. It certainly wouldn't work out this time, I don't think. Um and I think we just need to sort of keep going, persevere to the end of the season. Whatever league we end up in, you know, we then sort of reevaluate the situation then. But I don't think, uh, regardless of the result on Friday, I don't think we need to be suddenly going, Ashton, this isn't working. Scott Parker, you take the job and, you know, just basically see us go down in a bit of a whimper, really. Yeah, it's weird how West Ham started the season, actually, because I thought, oh, they're, they've done it again. Because I thought they were just, you know, because they were losing, I think, quite a lot of games in their opening in their opening month. And I was just interested to actually see if it would... But Pellegrini's completely turned it around for them. They're actually a very, very good team to watch in the well, He's a quality the manager, isn't he? I mean, you well, know, course, yes, yeah. he, he had a fairly, you would call one of the easy jobs managing Man City. Uh, but, you know, it takes, you know, a decent manager to become you have to keep a handle on that kind of squad. And I think he probably just needed a bit of time to settle into the players that he had. So he's obviously got a decent bunch of players and tactically, I'm sure he's very, uh, very well versed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to round this off just because there's nothing. I mean, we, we've done this to death with so many previews. So finally, I'll just get what your score predictions are. Mr. McClare, what do you predict the score being? 4-1 Fulham. Wow. Well. Wow. Big win I'll have for us. Come on, you watch. Come on. I'll have I'll have what he's having. And Morgan? 3-2 Fulham. 3-2 Fulham. Dear God. All right. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm really sorry, guys. I'm gonna go with 3-1 West Ham. I just don't care anymore. I just no, all right. Um all right. Um 3 2 Fulham. I think last minute, last minute header from Mitro finally on target. That suits me fine. Scatter right, armors. Cool. I beg your pardon. Scato Llamas is the anagram of Thomas Gallas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been work, trying to work it out, and uh, that, I mean I spelled Llamas wrong, but Scato Llamas is his uh, is his anagram. So 
There you go. We can call him Scat or Olama. It's like an Irish llama. <laughs> scat or llama. Scat or llama. Yeah, that's not, uh, maybe sort of the whole Irish thing that sort of brought up a bit of a debate last month, uh, last week, didn't it, on uh, the Twitter sphere? So, yeah, absolutely, fair enough. We won't talk about that. But I mean, that almost right. sounds like a Harry Potter spell, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which we, which we were talking about. We were talking about on the group actually, which celebrities yeah. were fans, uh, which celebrities supported Fulham, and Danny Radcliffe was a pretty loose one. But we don't know if he actually does, and we just ended up thinking of ridiculous puns for <laughs> Harry Potter's president. Oh dear. Avada Kamara. Anyway, um, let's call it a day there, lads. I think I've, I've done myself with that last thing I just said. So, right. Thank you so much for playing along for the quiz. If you've got 30 out 30, please message us and we'll bathe you in glory in the next part or on Twitter, etc. We are on iTunes, but we are also on Spotify. So give us a look if you have Spotify, if you're that way inclined. And all we can say is, come on, you whites. Just hopefully we can actually get an away win it would be absolutely sensational so that is goodbye from me that is goodbye from mr Buclair. see you at the olympics yeah <laughs> and that is goodbye from morgan goodbye goodbye thank you Fulham.